0: Well, hopefully this will be engaging, but I don't know that it will be quite at the same energy level that we just uh, experienced. Uh, but nonetheless, we, uh, we pick up where we uh, left off last week uh, with our new sermon series in 2 uh, Timothy, entitled Guard the Gospel. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and turn to 2 uh, Timothy, if you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you, you will find that on page 995. And as we discussed last week, uh, these are Paul's last words, uh, so to speak. Uh, This is the last letter that Paul wrote. Uh, It's got some bad news in it, including uh, the weight of his imminent death. Uh, Again, Paul is in prison in Rome. Uh, He is on death row for his faith in Jesus, uh, for his uh, proclamation of the gospel. And we talked about how last words are so important, uh, about how when someone knows that death is imminent, uh, the time that they have with with loved ones, uh, those last conversations that they are able to share, whether that is over final hours or final days or weeks or even months. But that those uh, last times, those last conversations, those last words are so important. It's a time when uh, values are shared, vision is cast. Always a time that comes from the heart. And always stressing, really, what matters most in the end. And last week we considered the first of the five last words or charges uh, that we're looking at over these five weeks uh, in this last letter of Paul's. Five charges uh, to Timothy and through Timothy to the church, to us. Uh, Last week, we we looked at the first of those, which is the the overarching charge to guard the gospel. Uh, And we talked about why we guard it. We guard it because it is the very truth about God, and thus it is worth guarding. We also talked about the foundation of our guarding the gospel, which is that first and foremost, the gospel guards us, and then through Jesus, we guard it. Well, today we consider the second of these five charges, which is the charge To suffer for the gospel. And our text is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. And as I said, uh, my my plan each week is to to bring before us a a key verse uh, to help focus our attention as we get into the particular passage. Uh, Today that's verse 3. Share in suffering. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul says share in suffering with me. And so let's pray. We look to you uh, this morning. And give you thanks our God our King our Savior. We thank you that you are the God who speaks. Who has spoken. Who speaks today by the power of your spirit. Through your word. And we pray now. That you would open our ears to hear. That you would open our eyes to see. To see the the real riches and the true treasure of your gospel. And that we would be changed because of it. So we have come to seek you. uh, The God who has first sought us. Teach us now. Change us now we pray. Amen. And so now hear the word of God from 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. Bound with chains is a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for... If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the word of God. Well, as we look at the passage uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look at three things, really, the way that Paul lays it out for us. Uh, We're going to look at uh, pictures, power, and promise. Uh, Pictures that Paul gives us of suffering, and then the power to suffer, uh, to endure hardship. And then, as Paul ends, taking a look at the promise, the promise for those who do endure. And so, we start with pictures. Uh, verses three to seven. Uh, this section begins uh, with with the central charge of our passage, verse three. Share in suffering. Share in suffering, and then from this charge, Paul immediately immediately goes into three uh, quick pictures of suffering: a soldier, an athlete, a farmer. But first, let's talk about suffering for a minute. I mean, what kind of suffering are we talking about here? Uh, Verse 3 is translated elsewhere, and and possibly in the Bible that you've got in front of you this morning, Uh, but verse 3 is translated elsewhere as endure hardship. Endure hardship with us, and this word endure being used uh, twice elsewhere in our passage And so as I was sitting there studying, uh, it it got me thinking, and and my eyes caught a book on my bookshelf that I had read a few years ago. Uh, I'm sure that several of you have read, and and probably many others are at least aware of it, or at least aware of the story behind it. Uh, It's the book Endurance. Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage. And I see smiles already. Yes, it was an incredible voyage. Uh, This is the 1959 classic uh, by Alfred Lansing. Uh, It's about one of the most famous and dangerous expeditions ever. Uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton's ambitious Antarctic expedition uh, back in 1914 and 15, and so now 100 years ago. Well, the newspaper ad recruiting uh, for the expedition simply read this. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. And it has been reported that this ad generated more response than any other want ad of its day. Why? Well, those who responded were looking for adventure for sure. But if you've read the book or you're familiar with the story, you know that it's something more than that. That really more so, they were looking to live for something beyond themselves. You might call it purposeful suffering or enduring faithfulness. In other words, a faithfulness that endures for a purpose. Now, no one likes to suffer. I mean, no one likes suffering. But especially if it's meaningless suffering, right? And so when the going gets tough, we often ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is is what I'm suffering for, is it really worth it? But, you know, we will choose to suffer if we know that we're living for something beyond ourselves. And so here as, as Paul writes to Timothy, with this overarching charge to guard uh, the gospel, with that charge to guard it comes the clear implication that there's opposition to it. And what happens when there's opposition? With the suffering that comes, there's pressure. Pressure to change things, pressure uh, to, to bail out, to alter the gospel, distorting, diluting, denying it. So as to end that, that opposition and, and the inevitable persecution that would come. Paul calls for guarding the gospel in part by suffering for it. And he knows that when the going gets tough, that we often ask, is it really worth it? But he also knows that we will choose to suffer. We will choose to endure it if we are living For something beyond ourselves. So, again, Paul gives us three quick pictures, three metaphors of purposeful suffering, because we're called to guard the gospel through enduring faithfulness. So, Paul writes very briefly about a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. The soldier, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, it is important to note up front because this, has been, this, this verse has been read by many. There is not a sacred, secular divide here. As if there's spiritual stuff and that's good, and there's secular stuff, and you need to flee from it. That is not what is happening. This is not about separating from the world, but about a focused following of Jesus in it. So what what do we see in the soldier? Well, the soldier shows loyalty. A single-minded desire. Single-minded desire to please the one who enlisted him, as it says. And so for the Christian... We're called to a single-minded following of Jesus, seeking to follow and honor him in everything, Uh, at home, at work, at play, in the community, no matter what, just like the soldier. Well, then we have the athlete. Uh, Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, we know this doesn't apply to the New England Patriots, but we'll just set that aside for a moment. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Divinely inspired, I don't know, but anyway. Sorry, Tom Brady and Patriots fans. But seriously, uh, the the athlete. Okay, to, to be clear, Paul is not calling Christians to compete against one another, but rather to run the race with one another. And so the the, the Christian life, when you think about it, it's a relay race. It's passing the gospel on again and again and again to one another. In verse 2, as it points out, to hand the gospel baton from generation to generation to generation. One of the very things we celebrate with VBS. We've just heard about. And why do we do this? We're entrusting it to others who will then be faithful to teach others. Who will then be faithful to teach others. And the gospel continues to go forth. So we take a look at the athlete, and what do we see here? Well, the athlete shows a commitment, a commitment to play by the rules, and within those rules to play winsomely and wisely, with honor for the game, and always with an eye on the prize. Well, the Christian is called to commitment and self discipline, to honor the game, to, to keep our eye on the prize. And always obey God's good law for that game, no matter what. And so the soldier, the athlete, and then the farmer. Verse 6. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Well, the farmer is a, a picture, just a great picture of consistent, hard work day after day after day, hard work toward fruitful labor and an abundant harvest. John Stott notes that the farmer depends as much on sweat as on skill. No matter how poor the soil, inclement the weather, or disinclined the farmer, he must keep at his work. Uh, Bishop handley Mool writes that the farmer's job is one totally devoid of excitement, remote from all glamour of peril and of applause, and yet he has a harvest coming to him from all the strenuous labor. And then Tim Keller explains that the Christian life has similarly always, always entailed hard work. No one has ever claimed it would be easy. However, for those who engage in it without shirking their responsibilities, a harvest awaits. This harvest includes seeing God face to face, holiness of life, treasures in heaven, and the joy of seeing others come to faith in Jesus. The hard work of the Christian life, making sure that the gospel is guarded and your thoughts, words, and deeds to the very end brings a deep-seated joy. You see, all these tasks, they all involve hard work, discipline, and struggle. And we should expect nothing less in the Christian life. Well, not only do we have these three pictures of suffering, but we also have Paul himself. Paul himself is a great picture of enduring enduring faithfulness. Uh, Verses uh, 9 and 10. of course, in verse 8, Paul begins, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, verse 9, for which I am suffering. Bound with chains is a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything. I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Well, Paul is already being poured out, as he puts it in chapter 4. Already being poured out, suffering for the gospel, Paul endures everything. He endures everything for, for others. And why? So that they may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus. You see, Paul endures everything For the glory of God and for the good of others. This is is the beauty here is that gospel and mission are always together. Two sides of the same coin. They always go together because joy is to be shared and the gospel is good news. The gospel is joy to be shared, to be passed on from one another to another to another. Because joy is not complete until it's shared. And notice that Paul is not asking Timothy or us to do anything that he's not already doing. And he's showing us that it can truly be done, that we can truly suffer for the gospel no matter what the circumstance. But how? How does Paul do it? Where's the power to suffer like this? And that leads to our next point. The power, the power to suffer, to endure hardship, uh, verses 1 and 8. Paul begins this section, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 8 begins, Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Be strengthened by the grace of Jesus. Well, to be strengthened by the grace of Jesus means that you are relying on God, not self. Now, for most of us, we often live by the maxim, when the going get tough, the tough get going. I mean, that's so often, at least how we live it. We may say we believe something else, but when it really comes, push comes to shove, It is solo bootstraps. We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We just dig down deep. Just work a little harder. Hunker down. I will push through this. But the gospel doesn't say that at all. In fact, that is counter to the gospel. What Paul is saying here is that when the going gets tough, the Christian leans on Jesus even more. The Christian goes deeper in dependence on Jesus. In prayerful dependence, continually confessing our need. I can't do this. And continually clinging to his provision. This is how we're strengthened by the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. Looking to him over and over and over Now, now, now think about suffering, at least what suffering can look like. I mean, suffering can be flat-out rejection and persecution with your life on the line, like with the Apostle Paul here, uh, like with the the persecuted church, uh, listed uh, some part of the persecuted church every week listed in our bulletin for prayer. Or or the soldier is, is one of Paul's examples. The soldier, too, faces the possibility of suffering unto death. Well, suffering can also be the rejection of family and friends, of co workers, of neighbors, because of your holding on to the gospel. And then there's suffering that's the daily grind of the single minded, sacrificial, committed, self disciplined, hard work, struggling in the gospel. The very thing we see in the soldier, in the athlete, in the farmer. And in Paul. I think of a a young man, I was reminded of a of a young man whose suffering for the gospel included the choice between inheriting millions of dollars and following Jesus unreservedly. I mean, he had it all, so to speak, part of a, a prominent family. Uh, This young man was one of the heirs uh, to the Whitman Chocolate Company. But he had to choose. And he knew that following Jesus would include rejection, sacrifice, hardship, commitment, hard work. That there would be suffering. He knew it. And I mean, I I can only imagine. In fact, I can't really even imagine. But the question haunts me. Could I do it? Could I I make that choice? And as I look in God's word, the gospel says, no, I couldn't. At least not in my own strength. But as Paul said in chapter 1, verse 8, Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Suffer by the power of God. Well, this young man chose following Jesus. Uh, he became convinced of, of the real riches of the true treasure of the gospel. He trusted Jesus and was strengthened by his grace, by Jesus' grace. And then, like Paul, was able to endure everything. And to endure everything for what? For the sake of others, that they too may obtain the salvation that is Jesus. And you know what? Every single one of us here this morning is a beneficiary of this young man's suffering because he came to Williamsburg 45 years ago to plant a church. He was the first pastor of this church. Now, our suffering may not look like that, But it is always for the glory of God. It is always for our good and for the good of others. We are all called to suffer in various ways to varying degrees. And suffering for all will include the the daily working out of our salvation through the power of the God who is at work within us. Wherever He has us, however He calls us, and always for his glory, as well as for our good, and for the sake of others. The charge to suffer for the gospel, enduring faithfulness, this can only be realized as we daily depend on Jesus. I need thee every hour, I need thee every moment. And so when the going gets tough, for whatever the reason, you must depend on Jesus, no matter what. Well, it's not just the power that keeps us going. Paul ends this section with a promise, a beautiful promise, the promise for those who endure. He ends with a hymn. Uh, Verses 11 through 13. The saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. I mean, think about it for a moment. The soldier, the athlete, the farmer. What keeps the soldier going? What keeps the athlete going? What keeps the farmer going day in and day out? It's having the end in view. It's it's, it's the promise. And what keeps the child of God going? Having the end in sight, the promise before us. And so Paul ends this section, this this charge to suffer for the gospel, with a hymn of assurance. A hymn of challenge, but a hymn of assurance and encouragement for the Christian. Now the most likely interpretation of these somewhat confusing uh, verses is that the first three stanzas progress like this. Uh, Beginning line one uh, with conversion, uh, union with Christ. And then moving through perseverance and its ensuing eternal heavenly joy in line two. So so line one, the coming to faith in Jesus. And then line two, the Christian life with all of its struggling, enduring, persevering, until eternal joy with Jesus in heaven. And then all of a sudden there's this abrupt line, line three. Because this is serious business, and this is a di- a warning about the dire consequence of apostasy, in other words, of abandonment or renunciation of Jesus. But then the hymn ends. It ends with a clear emphasis on God's faithfulness to His own, no matter what. Now, though biblical scholars disagree on the particulars of line four, they all recognize that God's faithfulness is what is emphasized here. Line four, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. You see, line four is, it's a response to line three. Line three, the word of warning. Line four, the word of hope. In the words of Pastor Kent Hughes, Here is unforgettable comfort for all who seek to endure for the gospel. Though we may waver and fall into unfaithfulness in our our efforts to endure, God remains faithful. No one is always faithful. Only Jesus is perfectly faithful. And yet in the beauty of the gospel... It is Jesus' own faithfulness that provides the very reason that God can be faithful to faithless sinners like us. The promise is God's faithfulness to his own no matter what. A love that will not let you go. Yes, we are called to guard the gospel in part by suffering for it through enduring faithfulness. But our ultimate hope is not in ourselves. Our ultimate hope and the promise of God is that Jesus' enduring faithfulness, the enduring faithfulness of Jesus, will guard us to the very end. So brothers and sisters, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, and be strengthened by the grace that is yours in him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your enduring faithfulness for us. Your enduring faithfulness that guards us. We look to you, Jesus, to strengthen us by your grace. And we ask you to grow our dependence on you more and more. Enable us to follow you more faithfully as we suffer for the gospel in whatever ways you call us to do so. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.